Starting again with a spirit of ease, simplicity, and relaxation as a basis for gathering and unifying the mind. Inviting in a sense of deep contentment and fulfillment with this simple act of breathing. Opening up to a devotion to the breath, letting the breath become your most chosen object. And other activities of the mind can fall to the side, already seen as not important. Inviting the body to be at peace, to be stable, relaxed. Let the body come to a relaxed stillness to support the mind also finding a relaxed stillness. And then gently inviting the jhana factors we've mentioned to come if they can. Settling the mind into one-pointedness. Letting your mind be absorbed in the breath. Letting happiness and contentment settle the mind with the breath. See if delighted interest can help you stay connected with the breath. Each breath is new and only lasts once. So let that fuel your interest, your appreciation 
and from this basis of interest and contentment with the breath. Apply the care of aiming and sustaining so that the intimacy is very steady. Allow yourself to further let go of everything that's not the breath. So you can further fall in love with, be fulfilled by, be devoted to this simple act of breathing.
from whatever state you find your body, whatever state you find your heart or mind, see if you can be devoted to the breath anyhow. If you're peaceful, then you're knowing the breath from a peaceful place. If you're irritated, you're devoting yourself to the breath from an irritated mind. If you're sleepy or foggy, you can relax and be devoted to the breath from a sleepy mind. So as your mind goes through many changes, keep directing your attention to the breath, welcoming a contentment and an ease moment by moment, directing your attention with care to offer the best relationship you can to the breath from whatever you're encountering moment by moment.
inviting your body to be relaxed and steady and still to support the mind being relaxed and steady and still. inviting your mind to let go and let be everything that's not the breath.
Each breath is new and arising only once, as is each part of the breath. Each part of the breath lasts only in the present moment you feel it. If your mind becomes familiar with the breath and then spaces out, see if you can arouse this loving, devoted, curious relationship to the breath. See if you can become delighted in the breath.
just tell a little tiny story. Last uh, Christmas, I went on a trip with my partner and her, her two daughters to New York City. And we spent a lot of time planning the trip, but one thing I didn't plan on was getting really ill right before I went. I had a really bad case of bronchitis. And every time my mind would go into um, troubles with the bronchitis or feeling achy or wishing it were else, uh, wishing it were otherwise, it didn't help the trip. And so eventually I just settled into this is the trip. So further loving and being devoted to your breath, even if you're sleepy, even if you're irritated, even if you're uh, moving through a period of grief welling up, um, whatever state you find yourself in, one option to explore is to love the breath from that place. And that's what I discovered uh, again on that trip. It was better to love being in New York uh, with my partner and her kids while having bronchitis versus keep trying to get rid of it or improve the situation or have some other experience. So challenges, no challenges. Experiment with what it's like to be devoted to the breath from that expression of what you're experiencing in that moment. Are there any questions about the practice? summation. Right. <laughs> <clears throat>
<laughs> so um, the the piti, the sukha, and the ekagata, they they come more through um, cultivation, and so they're not something you can you can welcome them, but it's more of a long term development. So it's like um, it's more of a a garden metaphor where you you welcome the tomatoes, you plant them, you nourish them, and over time they grow. And so um, you can do more aiming, sustaining as choice of the mind right here and now. We do have that th- we have the most sort of agency to choose that. Um, but <clears throat> cultivating happiness, cultivating contentment, you can welcome that. It's just they, they tend... It tends to take a little more, um, again, cultivation to have them be stronger. So you welcome them and they come to some degree. You can also um, see how you're going about your day. And if there's something happening in how you're approaching the practice that is defeating to contentment. And so if contentment isn't one of your priorities, you might be practicing in a way that's very frustrating, just more willpower, and then you find that it's very hard to be content because the approach you might have had would just to be sit through the pain or try harder, try harder. And with that, you might not find that um, you're actually cultivating ease and contentment. But if you make it um, part of what you're cultivating moment by moment over the course of a sitting, over the course of a day, you're more likely to have that growing in you over the hours or the days or the weeks. So it's a little bit more of a, a cultivation than a, um, arousing in any moment. But you still can. If you find you're getting caught up in something, it's possible to drop whatever you're getting caught up in and in that moment intentionally recover a sense of contentment. I'm content with the way things are. I have a little pain in my back, a little bit sleepy, but I'm, I'm content. That's actually accessible. Stabilizing that may take time to grow it and untangling the mind more. But you can drop into contentment for a moment. To feel one breath, there has to be a basis of contentment with the breath to even find such a subtle object. So it's a long-term, uh, you can invite it, but it tends to strengthen over time. And maybe the, the important takeaway from that for me was not just to keep doubling down on more effort or more will or more aiming and sustaining. If the inner climate of my mind was not content or not happy, then just doing more and more aiming and sustaining might not address the underlying imbalance. So what I took from her advice is a little bit more of how we're teaching here. Rather than just aiming and sustaining, aiming and sustaining, aiming and sustaining all day long, sitting down and doing a little bit of rebalancing. What state is my mind in right now? Hmm, can I welcome a little more contentment? Hmm, can I welcome relaxation? So even before we aim and sustain, there's a lot of this... um, let yourself be relaxed, let yourself be at ease. This is shifting the mind as much as we can 
in a helpful direction for samadhi. And so that's um, the, what I got from the nun, um, Sister Dipankara, was that I could do a lot more with um, the other factors of mind rather than just aiming, sustaining all day long. And that's what I hadn't been doing in the previous monastery. I was getting so much coaching about the courage of always aiming, sustaining, and breaking through mental patterns just with those two techniques. I could spend time welcoming in relaxation. Even before I come to the breath, just what's it like to readjust my mind? Am I caught somewhere? Am I tired? Am I holding on to a resentment? Am I not letting go of some fantasy? Doing that type of recalibration as best as I can, and then finding that if I go to aiming and sustaining from a mind that's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more content, a little bit more gathered, and then aim and sustain. It's a, um, it's a more kind of holistic approach to actually arriving on the breath than thinking if I aim and sustain forever that somehow oceans of satisfaction will come out of that. And it can, but it, you can also um, cultivate it as you're going along. And as I mentioned, if you do cultivate a sense of contentment, a sense of ease, but the aim and sustain are not strong for some reason, at least you're not suffering during that sit. You're just having a wandering mind under a basis of ease and relaxation. And that's fine. There's a, there's a gradual evolution just by being here in silence, that your mind is opening, your mind is relaxing, it's letting go. And then when aiming, sustaining come back and you can, your mind's more willing to do that, you've had a period of ease, a period of contentment. And then when you, when all these factors right then at the same time, that's usually what supports that, um, that type of samadhi. <clears throat> and in the, again, the previous monastery, I just wasn't spending enough time doing that. So it's like I was driving my car with three tires and I kept putting air into the three tires with no tire. Um, it just, I kept dragging a part of my mind <laughs> and just kept, you know, like, ah, you know, trying to get bigger and bigger tires, but neglecting a whole wheel. And when I actually put time into developing that, suddenly, oh, that's a much smoother ride. I'm not, constantly, I'm not constantly counter-steering the drag of missing a whole wheel. And when I brought in contentment, when I brought in uh, relaxation intentionally, more intentionally than I had been, then as I aim and sustain with the wheel, the car is uh, easy to drive. Let's go here. Last night in Sally's talk, she, she had the metaphor of the saw. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're cutting a saw, you're not watching the handle or the tip go back and forward. You're focusing on where the saw is connecting to what you're cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have a question about that, um, the, the point you choose. And I just haven't heard a whole lot about that point and for me I find it's very helpful to watch the mind from a fixed point because mm-hmm. the breath is so infinitely complex it, it just seems for me to really help but then 
you know, sometimes the point gets stronger and sometimes the breath gets stronger. And so they, they still are kind of two things. Sometimes they seem like they're just one thing. It's wonderful, but sometimes it's two things. And even asking the breath, well, it, well maybe. Anyway, so I just want maybe some clarification about that one-pointedness, that yeah. fixed place for attention. Each one of us is different. <clears throat> and so over time, what you'll realize is that and not only are we all different, but we can be different throughout the day. And so it's helpful to have a, um, to find what basically works for you and stick with it. So if it's a, if it's a one point at the nostrils, one point somewhere in your chest, um, if it's, if narrowing the focus really helps your intimacy with the breath, that's supportive because a larger target might bring in so much information that it's a swirl and it's hard to actually be content with a swirl of, and that would be supportive for you. And you might find that over many days that that's really, that really works for you. And there are whole techniques or whole schools that really do like you to find a very small place to rest the mind and develop intimacy with a very small location. There are other schools that um, the breath is a whole body experience and you learn to open up to as you breathe, feeling the way as you breathe in, it affects your pulse and you can feel that in your arms, you can feel it in your legs. And so there's a way that the breath can be a whole body experience. And it's not too much information for that person or that time of the day where suddenly it's a very global experience. And to narrow it would be to kind of squeeze your mind. It just happens to be at that time having a larger target actually uh, is very conducive for the state of mind you're in. Someone might find that that's really, that works for them generally, and so that becomes their general reference when they're in, with their breath. It's a much larger target. And then they might find at times they'll narrow it, and that's helpful. So what you want to notice over time is what's the most helpful for your mind to settle into a relationship to the breath. And it sounds like for you, um, a smaller target is actually uh, supportive for your relationship to the breath. So there isn't a universal on that one. It's We all relate to it and we all find our way to what, too small, it becomes hard to reach, or maybe you might find it tightens your mind, but if it doesn't, that's great. Too large might be too diffuse, but um, we all have different uh, temperaments. So I would honor the one that works for you. Unfortunately, we're out of time. Um, so there's interviews today and tomorrow. The one um, announcement is that there's a there's a, a day long happening down below, and so there's a lot of people coming and going down there. So if you took a walk down there, you'd probably feel how much is happening. And a few people might accidentally wander up today. That happens every now and then. So just to be aware that there's um, there's a whole another huge event happening down below. So with that, um, let's uh, just sit for a second. We're going to get up and we're going to bow, but just recover your intimacy with the breath. And then let this day be one where you're exploring that deep devotion. It's almost like if I gave you a, a bowl full of uh, precious soup and you were carrying around all day not to spill it. Um, as you carry your plate across the dining room, you know, you're really paying attention so let the breath be what you're holding carefully throughout the day and give it your full love and devotion. 
see how that goes. <laughs>